Welcome to the like, Destiny Podcast. I thought, um, I want to kind of start expanding on some of the stuff that we've been talking about, at least you've been talking about with me, I know you've been talking about with some of the other guys, about just our beliefs, um, how we see ourselves, and how that affects how we see things in the world, and how we do life in the world. Um, and so, you know, there's all sorts of different, uh, quote-unquote, disciplines within the church, you know, like prayer, and fasting, and worship, and reading your Bible, and um, spiritual warfare and like, all these different elements. And, and so I thought maybe we'd start um, looking at some of the different ones and, and see like, well, actually, as we, as we learn to engage with what we have, who we, ha- who, who we are in Christ, all the things that he's been given us, like how does that affect how we do these disciplines and um, should it affect them? And if it does, um, in what ways? And so I actually wanted to talk about spiritual warfare today. Um, there's no, not necessarily a rhyme or reason in my ordering, but I just thought, oh, I'd like to talk about that today. So that's the reason we're talking about it. Um, but I think, it, you know, it's, it's interesting. I read a quote um, just yesterday by, um, by a guy called Francois de Troyes. Like, you probably actually know, he, he, he wrote the Mirror Bible. Yeah, Francois de Troyes. Uh, um, but, but let me read you this quote, and then we'll, we'll kind of dive into it. Because I think he really hit the nail on the head. And actually, this is probably what prompted me to be like, oh, that's the one I'll talk about first. Um, he said, spiritual warfare teachings are a popular distraction that many modern-day churches engage in. It is preaching a defeated devil back into business, when God already disarmed every principality and dominion on the cross. Pharaoh was taken out of the equation when Israel was delivered out of Egypt. But they, uh, but then, but wait, they then became their own worst enemy by continuing to believe a lie about themselves. There are giants out there that dwarf us into grasshopper status. James said that a double-minded man is deceiving himself. Neither Jesus or anyone in the Acts church ever marched around towns to bind strong men or poured oil over buildings or places. Any teaching that distracts from the success of the cross is a waste of time to pursue. The only possible way we can delay the glory that follows the cross is by underestimating what happened there when Jesus died and cried, it is finished. Now, Francois Tatois, he's wording that very strongly. Um, you know, he's probably not going to make many friends with people that are in that place. And so I, I don't know if I would, I would word it as strongly as like, you're completely wasting your time and blah, 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 and all, all of that. Um, but I think there's something he hits the nail on the head there is that actually when we take our eyes off Jesus and we focus on what the devil is doing, we, we are creating a distraction in our life. And actually, the devil doesn't deserve our consideration. He's completely disarmed and defeated. And I don't know, I spent a lot of time doing spiritual warfare and things like that. You, maybe you, you've done that. Maybe you come from a background where the churches you've been a part of or things like that are, are very into that at all. Maybe you've never really even done spiritual warfare. You don't really even know what I'm talking about. And, and that's fine as well. Um, but for me, I've... I've while I've seen fruit from it, I've never seen fruit that compares to just completely ignoring the darkness and walking out in the light. And actually, the, the fruit that I've seen of just going, you know what, this isn't, an, this isn't an area I need to be focused on. It outweighs the fruit of sitting and fixating on it and trying to fight it and trying to battle it. And, and you know, I, I often think of, um, have any of you guys watched Monty Python, uh, The Holy Grail? Yeah. You guys seen that movie? brilliant movie so there's one part where um king arthur um is 
going uh, on his quest to find the Holy Grail, and he's got, I can't remember who's with him, maybe Sir Lancelot or something like that is with him, and they're, they're galloping along on their trusty steeds with their coconuts, um, and uh, they get to this bridge that they have to cross. And it's very important they get across this bridge to the next area, and um, unfortunately, there's this very, very powerful knight guarding the bridge called the Black Knight, and he says, stop, you can't cross this bridge. And they go, but I need to. Don't you know who I am? I'm King Arthur. Let me pass. And he's like, no, no one can pass this bridge. I am the Black Knight and I guard this bridge and no one can cross it. And so King Arthur goes, well, I'm going to cross it. And so he pulls out his sword. And the Black Knight says, you don't want to fight me. I'm so, I'm so powerful. You, know, you can't beat me. And so he pulls out his sword and they start fighting. And King Arthur's fighting away. And after a couple of like clangs and clashes, he whoop, lops off the Black Knight's arm. And his arm just falls on the ground and there's like comical blood spurting out the arm. And, um, and it's just ridiculous, you know. And King Arthur's like, all right, now move out of the way. I'm going through. But the Black Knight just picks up his, other, his sword with his other hand. And now he goes, no, you can't pass. And he starts fighting with his other hand. And so they're, again, fighting a little bit. Um, the Black Knight's a little clumsy with his left hand anyway. And after a few uh, seconds, King Arthur, whoomph. Cuts off his other arm. And so now you've got this guy all dressed in his black robes and like really like big armor. And he's got two stubs here, kind of spurting comical, like kind of, I don't know what they use, tomato sauce or something, spurting out the arms. And he's like, he's like, well, move aside, man. Move aside and let me across. He's like, have you learned your lesson yet? And he's like, no. He's like, you will not cross. And he starts like trying to like headbutt him or something, you know, like he's bouncing around trying to headbutt him. And King Arthur's like, dude this is not okay like he's like you you need a doctor you know he's like you need to go see a doctor not a try and stop me crossing a bridge move away i've beat you and he's like no no you cannot pass me i'll i'll i'll, I'll get you and he's like oh this is messed up and he's like looking at sir lancelot and sir lancelot's like i don't know what to do and so he just kind of decides okay and so he cuts off his leg and now he's got a leg falls on the floor and he's got blood pouring out his leg. It's pouring out his arms and he's hopping on one leg now. You know, he's just like hopping on the spot. And King Arthur's like, right, man, move out of the way. He's like, get out of my way. I want to cross this bridge. He's like, you cannot cross the bridge. I'm so powerful. I'm the Black Knight. Don't you know I'm the Black Knight? And uh, King Arthur's going, you're kidding me, right? You are actually like insane. And he's like, no. And he's like, so he's like now like hopping at him. Like, I don't even know, like if he's going to get blood on him. That's pretty much all he can do, you know? And King Arthur eventually is like, don't make me do this. Please don't make me do this. And the Black Knight's like, no, no, you cannot pass. And so King Arthur eventually said, okay, like I warned you. And I said, you know, a few limbs back, we could stop. And he's like, and cuts off his final leg. And so he just falls on the floor and he's just laying there on the floor bleeding. And King Arthur's like, okay. And kind of just steps over him and walks past and gallops away. And as he's getting away, the Black Knight yells out, come back. I'll bite your legs off. And it's funny to me because, you know, <sighs> Colossians says that the devil is completely disarmed and defeated. How good a pun was that? Anyway, never mind. <laughs> Whatever. I, that, was, that was good. I built that. Like it was, no, never mind. Whatever. Anyway, but, you know, this is, this is the picture we have of the devil. That Jesus completely, completely destroyed any power the devil had. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think he had much to begin with. Like, I mean, do we really think he was, like, equal with God? Greater than God? Of course not. Um, so he didn't have much power to begin with, and now he has none. And yet, somehow, when he yells, come back, I'll bite your legs off, we go, okay. Right? I mean, this is, and, and we literally are picking up this guy with no arms and no feet and letting him bite us. 
And then we can go, oh, we beat the devil. And it's like, well, you, you, you picked him up and let him bite you. Like, if you hadn't done that, you would have no one to beat. And I think so often we, we empower a disempowered devil so we have something to fight rather than just walking out the Great Commission and just doing what we can do with Christ in us. And actually, if we fixate on Christ in us, we don't need to hear that voice come back, I'll bite your legs off. But, you know, there, there are a few scriptures that people um, pull on and, and, and grab and try and um, uh, use as a, a, a reason to um, fixate on spiritual warfare and fighting the devil and, and going after the devil. Um, you know, but I'll just give you that verse, the Colossians 2.15. Um, dis- he disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Like, you know, there's, there's no principality or power that Christ hasn't completely disarmed and defeated. Um, now, the other verse I want to touch on, and then we'll, we'll go into the verses that actually talk about spiritual warfare, but it, 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 it makes me laugh because one of the verses people quote quite often as a, as a we better watch out, this is a scary thing, okay, is um, 1 Peter 5, 13, and it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may desire. And, and we, we, we quote that and go, oh, gosh, you better watch out. The devil's out there and he's, gonna, he's, trying, he's trying to catch us out. He's trying to get us and, and, and it's going to be a disaster. But actually, if you stop and think about that, yeah, absolutely. Be sober, be vigilant because the devil's out there. But the devil's out there seeking who he can devour. Like that to me suggests he's not having a great time. Like if you actually stop, I mean, the devil is a person, first of all, like, you know, a person, a, a, a demon. Right? You know, it's not like the devil is 30,000 people here. He's, he's one person. He's got 7 billion people on the planet and he's seeking whom he can devour. Like in my mind, I'm like, he would, he would be like, you know, sorry, I can't get around to devouring you right now. I'm backed up. I've got a couple of billion people on the waiting list. But actually in Peter's language, the devil's out there and he's trying to find someone he can get. He's just saying, be sober, be vigilant because he's out there trying to get people and you just don't need to engage with it. And actually part of it is possibly very much a thing of, the devil's out there going, come back, I'll bite your legs off. Be sober, be vigilant. Don't be stupid. Don't fall for that tactic. Don't fall for empowering a disempowered devil. Now, there are a couple of verses that people do um, quote frequently to, to say, right, this is it. This is spiritual warfare, and this is what we're called to do as Christians. We've got to you know, tear down strongholds. We've got to fight the enemy. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. And, and so let's, we'll spend the rest of the time just touching on that, and, and then um, we'll maybe do some dialogue about it. But um, 2 Corinthians 3.10 is, um, oh, sorry, 2 Corinthians 10.3 uh, through 5 is really frequently quoted um, as a passage about spiritual warfare, about fighting with the devil, about warring with the devil. Um, and to me, it's quite fascinating because it's actually not got anything to do with the devil. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll quickly read it. So it says, for we, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Okay? And so in that moment, we immediately go, yes, okay, yes, we're not, we're not fleshy beings. We're not warring in the flesh. The, our fight is so much bigger than the flesh. It's this spiritual uh, warfare, and we've got to fight with the, 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 the enemies and the, the spiritual principalities. And all. But it doesn't say that. It says our fight is not in the flesh, and it goes on to explain what our fight is in. And it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshy, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And we go, yeah, let's pull down the spiritual strongholds. But how do we pull down strongholds? Are you ready? We cast down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. 
There's three things that we do to tear down strongholds. And it's uh, we get rid of arguments. We don't listen to anything that is against the knowledge of God. And we bring every thought into captivity. All three things are to do with how you think. All three things. They've got nothing to do with the devil or demons or spiritual principalities or powers. Now, let me clarify. The devil and, and, and demonic influence and spiritual influence can try and affect how you think. I'm not saying it can't. But at the end of the day, our thoughts are our thoughts and we're in charge of our thoughts. We're, in, we're the ones that take captive our thoughts. We're the ones that go, actually, that argument is against who Jesus is. I'm not listening to it. We're the ones that go, wow, that is a thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Well, I will maintain the knowledge of Christ. I'm not going to listen to that and embrace that, that ideology, that thought. And so actually, spiritual warfare, whilst perhaps a very real thing, it seems it's not about tearing down something up there. It's about tearing down something in here. And actually, the more we focus on that, the less this exists. Because let's be honest, why is that thing there? Because we're empowering it. Because we're saying, okay, I'll come back and let you bite my legs off. And so when we have this, um, you know, when I travel, I get to see this a lot. Do you know, do you know what, what's interesting to me is I've never traveled anywhere where it isn't the hardest place in the world. Every single time I get off the plane, the pastor picks me up in the car. The first thing they start telling me is, now, Phil, they're like, I know you travel a lot of places. I know you've been to some really rough places, you know, but let me tell you, our town is really dark and it's really hard. It's hard for the gospel and there's a real principality here. There's a stronghold. There's a this, there's a that. It's a closed heaven. They, the language might slightly differ depending on where they're at, if they're charismatic, if they're not or whatever, but it doesn't matter. They are in the hardest place in the world. And I'm like, really? Really? I'm like, it's amazing that every place I go is the hardest place in the world. And why is it that they have such a huge principality? Because they have such a small Jesus, ultimately. And that's not to condemn or to whatever. I mean, we all do that on different levels. And all throughout our day, we do that at times, right? We get stressed out about a car payment. We get stressed out about, you know, whatever, a friendship or a relationship or something like that. We, we, all throughout our day, we, we, on small levels and on big levels, we make things bigger than Jesus in our lives. So it's not to condemn them and say, like, how dare you or you're stupid or anything like that. But it's to point out a, a thing that we, we're prone to do is we, we allow things to become bigger than Jesus and they become the principality. We, f we fixate on the fruit of it. So the fruit of my bad beliefs is, oh, look at all this darkness in my city. When actually, if I just change my beliefs and walk out of a healthy place of, no, Christ is in me. I've got everything I need. There's nothing bigger than me. There could be a principality that's too big for 50,000 people. But if I just believe the fullness of God in me, that's, that's more than enough. That's more powerful than 50,000 people. So it doesn't matter how big it is. It just doesn't matter. What matters is what am I believing about Jesus? What am I believing about who I am walking with Jesus? And so when we, when we, when we look at our, uh, our walk of spiritual warfare, it's all about who am I in Christ? And that, that kind of takes me to the second verse I kind of want to touch on um, is in Ephesians 6, we often have people talking about this uh, this importance of putting on your spiritual armor. You've got to put your spiritual armor on because we're going to spiritually fight the devil. You know, we're doing this warfare, spiritual warfare. And you've got to make sure you've got your armor on, right? And that's absolutely true. I mean, Ephesians 6 talks about the importance of your spiritual armor. However, I think we often forget what it actually says. 
and we actually don't dive into the actual content of the spiritual armor. Um, not only that, we don't actually particularly look at what we're called to do in a fight. Have you, have you ever noticed the fight? It, it, Ephesians 6 calls you to have the worst uh, posture in a fight you could ever have. Like, check this out. Sorry? The worst posture. So it's just standing. Like The, the, the posture you have in that fight is awful. Because what does it say? It says, um, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So what are we standing against, first of all? The wiles of the devil. It's just him lying. The devil's, right from, from Genesis 3, right through to the end of the book, the devil's got one playbook. I'll just lie to them and see if I can get them to believe me. That's all he's got. And so he said, right, but what I want you to do is just stand against his lies. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rules of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And this is where you get people going, yes, this is it. We now have some real license to have some spiritual warfare. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Like, can you imagine this, right? So I don't know if you watch fighting or boxing or any of that sort of stuff. Imagine like you have two guys getting into a boxing ring, okay? And they're about to go to fight. And you're the trainer for one of them. And you go, right, here's the strategy, okay? And this guy, he's a good fighter. He's pretty strong. You know, he's got good records. But I've got a strategy that is unbeatable. We're going to do this. What I want you to do, right, is make sure you stand. And then stand more. And then once you've stood as long as you can, continue to stand. How long do you think it is till this guy gets punched in the face, falls over and knocked out, right? He's not even saying put up your hands and protect yourself. He's not saying make sure you throw in a good few punches. He's saying stand and then withstand. And then once you've done everything you can to stand, stand. I mean, this is a terrible strategy for fighting. But this is what um, Paul's saying. This is our strategy. So, yeah, we've got these principalities and powers and, and all this uh, enemy host in our face. And, and it's described as wiles of the devil, as lies. But it is there. But what do we do? We put on our armor so we can stand. And having done all we can to stand, we stand some more. But then, actually, if you look at what your armor is, it's really interesting to me. I mean, check this out. So what is the armor? Uh, Put on the breastplate of righteousness have, and shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take in the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, do you notice anything about each of those things? Each of those things, sorry? Well, yes, but actually, no, what, what are the things? Not the weapons, but what are the things? So we look at, if we look at, um, we've got, uh, sorry, uh, we've got truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, word of God. Think about it. Truth. Jesus is the truth. Righteousness. Well, Jesus is our righteousness. Peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. Faith. Well, Jesus is the author of our faith. Salvation. Well, that's about me, isn't it? Jesus. Well, the word of God. Oh, Jesus. So what's it saying? It's saying, put on Jesus, put on Jesus, put on Jesus, put on Jesus, put on Jesus. And stand, 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 stand. Because you don't fight. You stand. Jesus is fighting, and actually he's already fought. There's just wiles of the enemy, these lies coming at you, and you do nothing but stand in Jesus. And so it's not this aggressive, we're going to hunt out the devil and fight him and beat him up. It's a thing of going, 
No, I'm confident that Jesus in me is more than enough. When he, when he comes and finds me, when the devil goes, all right, I've got a target. I'm going to start lying and, and, and trying to convince uh, Chris that, the de- that, that I'm big and I'm powerful and he can't, co- he can't cope and this is a hopeless situation. All we do is go, oh, fair enough. Good for you. I've got Jesus. I'm full of peace and righteousness and the truth and salvation and, and, and everything else that Jesus is. And actually in that place, Jesus has defeated the devil. There's nothing he can throw at us. And so, you know, this isn't to say that um, we don't ever pray against the devil. We don't ever, um, you know, whatever, put him in his place. You know, we still, deliverance is our ministry. You know, we've got a whole bunch of different stuff. But it's a thing of, we don't go hunting for him. He's lying there defeated and, and disarmed. If somehow someone's managed to pick him up and put him in our path, we stand against him. We let Jesus move him out our path and we keep going. I love uh, Bill Johnson puts it a really good way. He says, I don't go hunting for the devil, but if he gets in my way, I'll pull the trigger. <laughs> and I really like that. You know, like he's not fixated on the devil. He's not going and hunting him out and going, oh, where is he? What stronghold is he over? Or, you know, which area is he, is he in? And, uh, you know, and, and he's like not trying to hunt out the devil and then fight him. He's just going, no, I'm going to do life. I'm going to do what God's called me. I'm going to be fixated on what Jesus is to me and what he's called me to do. And if somehow, some way, the devil gets in my crosshairs, I'll pull the trigger and then we'll keep moving. But it's not a big issue. And I think the danger is that the devil's everywhere. You have the right mindset and he's, there's nowhere he isn't. And actually, if you have the right mindset, there's nowhere he's not powerful, more powerful than God. You can have a mindset that says that. It's not true, but you can have a mindset that says that. You can determine the truth for you. And, and, and unfortunately, um, there's an element of we can believe a lie and it becomes real. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know? And so you can believe it and it actually becomes a reality you're experiencing. And it's not to say the devil is somehow more and more powerful. It's just because you're becoming more and more weak because you're not acknowledging who Jesus is in you. And you're fixating on this tiny little thing. But the more you fixate on it, the bigger and bigger it gets until you can't see anything else. And, you know, I I know that's not something that we're in danger of, to be honest with you. I know that you guys are on this journey of discovering every day just how big Jesus is, just how amazing you are with with Christ in you. Um, But you're going to do life with people that are in this place. You know, I, I, I didn't get to speak to everyone in that room yesterday, but I'm sure there were people in that room yesterday that probably believe in similar ways as well. And, and, and you know, there's going to be times where you have people around you that are going to try and magnify the devil and try and make him bigger, and it's going to be convincing. There's going to be times in your life where the wiles of the devil, where the devil does show up and starts speaking the lies, it's going to sound convincing. He's going to have a lot of um, truth on his side quote unquote, right? You know, it, you get sick and he's like, well, here's this doctor's report and here's this and here's this and here's this. And you're like, it's pretty convincing. I'm really kind of siding with Satan on this one. <laughs> Feels like Satan's got a lot more proof and evidence than God does on this one. <laughs> and, and there's times where that happens, you know? Oh, well, you know, I know God said he's going to provide for you, but have you looked at your bank account today? <laughs> and I've got a few bills that have just come through the post. You've not seen them yet, but they're on the kitchen table. Why don't you look through those? You know, ah, the devil's starting to be really convincing. And actually, it's starting to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And ah, and, and this is why we need to consistently um, practice 
fixating on Jesus. Practice fixating on what is God saying? What is God doing? Um, and even in the small things, even the things we don't necessarily, um, that don't necessarily quote unquote matter. Those are the, those are the, the, the learning grounds. Those are the training grounds for the big things that do matter. You know, if you allow the little things to get on top of you and become big, you're not going to do well when you get a phone call and a loved one's died or someone's got cancer or you've lost your job or something big and things happen, right? I mean, we live in a world where things happen um, and it's not me speaking anything over you or anything like that. It's just a, hey, you're in the world with everyone else and not everything goes perfectly. And so if you can't cope with um, a disagreement with a roommate or something or, um, you know, like, ah, I don't know, uh, you have a problem at work with one of your colleagues or something, you're really not going to cope well when you get fired. You're really not going to get cope well when, um, I don't know, one of your siblings cuts off relationship with you entirely or, you know, something big that can happen. And it's in these small areas we, we, we have to practice this thing and not make it this huge, big spiritual thing. The devil's trying to get me. The devil's got a stronghold over my sister or my brother. Or, but actually go, no, God. Help me be unwavering. Help me be fixated on you. Help me walk through the little things well so that I know and I've put in the practice and I know what it looks like so that when the big things come, it doesn't shake me. It doesn't waver me. I'm not going to start thinking it's a big bag demon, but instead I'm just going to go, that is just life, but I am from another kingdom and I influence life. Life doesn't influence me. You know, a prophetic word I gave earlier, I wasn't even thinking about it at the time, but like, you know, you, and I'm really bad for this. You know, I have a big thing happens and I go, oh, this is amazing. And I get really excited and and then something really crappy happens and I just go, and it's just a crash. And, you know, I'm better than I've ever been at not doing that. And yet I still probably do it on a daily basis (laughs) pretty much. Um, And. I don't, it's not, I don't want to become dead to in, in getting excited and enjoying, you know, the ups and, uh, of life. But actually, I'd rather just be in that place, whether there's ups or downs. I'd rather just be full of joy and full of peace and full of hope and full of faith and all the good stuff that is accessible to me, regardless of what's going on around me. Let's stop there. I, I don't want to belabor the point. I think I've made my point. But um, yeah, I just, I'd love to see you guys have a much shorter, 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 shorter um, journeying through this than I've had to have. Because <laughs> I feel like uh, this is a truth that's only kind of just recently, kind of maybe like last seven or eight years hit me. And you know what? I'm taking my time applying this one. Like, I feel like I still really do go up and down very easily with, with and my external circumstances, with relationships, with all this different stuff. And, and, and for a long period of time, I really did find devils in every you know, bush. And, oh, this loved one's got sick. Oh, it must be a big attack from the enemy. I knew this was coming. You know? And it's like, uh, maybe it is an attack from the enemy. But you know what? He's disarmed, defeated. And actually, that's not going to help me fixating on that. What do I need to fixate on? Christ in me. Oh, actually, I don't need to have any... Uh, discouragement, depression, whatever begins with this, you know, all the bad stuff. I don't need to go down there because actually I'm not fixating on the circumstance or the relationship or that or this. I'm fixated on Jesus in me.
And the more you can practice that, the more you can steward that in your life of, I'm going to be someone that fixates on Jesus in every circumstance. I'm going to see Jesus in everything. And I have no time to see the devil in anything. Because 99 times out of 100, he's not there. And on the off chance he is there, it's still completely immaterial. It doesn't matter. Because whether he's there or not, it's irrelevant, right? Is there darkness in this room? Probably if we cracked open a cupboard and then kind of closed it and tried to keep it dark. Yeah, I'm sure we could find darkness, but does it matter that it's dark in those cupboards? No, right? It just doesn't matter. Um, And, you know, there's no need to worry about any darkness when we have the light. And again, when we go into the cupboard, as soon as we open the door, oh, it's light in here. Because light completely flushes out any darkness anyway. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.